certainly good to see the presence of each and every one today and your continued interest in spiritual things is an encouragement. We're going to be talking about purity today, so we're going to hear a lot of words like pure, pure of heart, pure thinking, pure speech, pure deeds, and the importance, yea, the essentiality of us being pure before God. We are not perfect. We are frail creatures and we make mistakes. And uh, this lesson will be uh, good for me and hope that it will be good for each and every one of you. In 1 Timothy, the fifth chapter and verse 22, 1 Timothy 5 and verse 22, Paul writes by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the young man Timothy, and says, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. So let us go into a deep dive on this word purity and what the Bible teaches us with regard to keeping ourselves pure. Titus 1.15 Titus 1.15 states, unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. These are tidbits of inspired wisdom being shared with us as to things we need to look at in our own lives concerning in this passage, for example, what's on our mind, what fills our mind. How well is our conscience trained with regard to making us feel guilty when we do things or think things or have attitudes that are impure and improper? We are greatly affected by media, whether it is the old TV box and now with the introduction of all the devices that we can have and all the avenues of various social media and and chat rooms and forums and the ability to respond to articles that are written by correspondents, whether it's covering the Queen of England's death and the funeral or sports activities and sports writers. We have immediate access to that. And during what's called prime time, uh, there are many shows that are put on And as things are increasingly getting more open in media, things that we would see or not see in the 50s and 60s with Mayberry RFD and Andy Griffith and Gomer Pyle are now supplanted with things that are promoting homosexual relationships between men and men and women and women. And and you start to pull for people to leave their mate that they're married to because you'd really rather see that person be with this woman if they just swap between those marriages we we start thinking things that are totally foreign to the word of god and it's part of the storyline and uh, be careful what shows we get addicted to or that we love or that we can't miss so we record those what are the titles and what are the storylines and what are the plots and what type of magazines do we, are we into gossip about the stars? And do we have this insatiable desire to find out dirt on people? And do we delight in that? Brethren and friends, in Mark 
do not be deceived in this and other ways of the devil to trap us into impurities of the mind. Because as we think in our heart, <laughs> almost pointed here, as we think in our heart, so are we, we are taught. And we're going to look uh, at that in just a moment. It's imperative that we are pure. James 1, 27 is a passage that we need not shy away from. It says, pure religion and undefiled before... Pure religion and undefiled. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Wake up. God's speaking to us, Mark. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself or oneself unspotted from the world. We don't want to be impure by spots of fleshly activity, fleshly thoughts, sin and impurities, but rather keep ourselves unspotted from the world. We don't want to be like the world. We want to be like God fashions his children to be. Before we as adults can keep ourselves pure, we must be purified. Not because we are depraved. Not because we're born in sin, inheriting the sin of Adam or our immediate ancestors, our parents, our, our uh, genealogical birth father and mother. No. We are born pure and we, like sheep, have gone astray, the Bible teaches. We are born good and wholesome and right in the eyes of God and have no sin. But as we grow and mature, we begin to understand the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, or its effects and the pride of life and begin to seek after things that are trinkets of the devil. In Matthew 18, verse 3, Matthew 18, verse 3, Jesus said concerning the purity of those who were young, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. In chapter 19 of Matthew, in verse 14, Jesus said, Suffer little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. We're familiar with uh, Old Testament passages like Ezekiel 18, verses 19 and 20. Yet ye say, Why doth not the Son bear the iniquity of the Father? When the Son hath done that which is lawful and right, and hath kept all my statutes, and hath done them, he shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Son shall not bear the iniquity of the Father, neither shall the Father bear the iniquity of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. So we don't have this transference of, of sins of others to us, and Vice versa. We have an individual responsibility before God and our fellow man to do that which is right if we want to be pure and right and have fellowship with the Godhead. All people do sin, though, save Jesus Christ our Lord. And let's look to a few passages. So this includes us all, and this is a topic that should apply to all, though many go about their entire lives without a care toward what it takes to be pure in the sight of God and to have fellowship with the Godhead and faithful brethren. Romans 3 and verse 10. 
as it is written there, and this is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, we got Romans 3 in verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Psalm 14, verse 3, they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Romans 3.13 says, Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used to seek the poison of asps, or snakes is under their tongue. On and on we can go with the sins of the tongue and the sins of the mind and people who have feet that are swift to shed blood, Romans 3 and verse 15. Uh, Isaiah says of this type in chapter 59, verse 7, their feet run to evil and make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts, notice, are the thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. Verse 8, the way of peace they know not. There is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Wherever goeth therein, shall not know peace. There is no fear of God before their eyes. What a position to be in to have that said of someone. They have no fear of God. And yet that is the state of most people in the world today. We know that that's 180 degrees out from where someone needs to be in the proper manner in which that word fear is used in the Bible concerning it be a good thing to fear God. There is a purification process, but God outlines what that process is. Man does not determine. Uh, well, I'll make myself pure with God by doing this. I'll give up these three things, and, and that'll make me pure in God's sight. No. We have to do what God's Word says do in order to go through that purification process. 1 Peter 1 and verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls, notice, in obeying the truth, as we were speaking in excuse me, the auditorium class, this morning we were talking about how do we know what is truth? How do we know that we've arrived at the proper conclusion on the things that we are studying in the Word of God? That's very important, yea, essential to us knowing whether we're pure or impure on certain matters before God. See that you have purified yourselves in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto the unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. We need to have the right kind of love for one another as brethren in the body of Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. That love will be pure. That love will be righteous and not have unrighteousness or evil thought. We will be obtaining the forgiveness of sins from God above in order to go through the purification process. We will receive the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our sins, which can take away the sins of the world. 
Ephesians 1, 7 puts it like this. In whom we have redemption through his blood. That's Jesus Christ, isn't it? We have redemption in his, Christ's blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. It's unmerited favor. We don't deserve it, but we can have it if we'll avail ourselves of it. By God's grace and by faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, so we're always back to that idea of we've got to let God define what impurities are and how we go through the purification process. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. We don't deserve it. We can't do anything to remit our own sins. We might make up some uh, human standard and say, well, I will give up all of these things and by then I will have earned my salvation. We cannot do it. But it's been done for us in the sense that Jesus lived the perfect life. Well, I'll give my own body. No, we can't. We're imperfect. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And he died for you, and he died for me, and he died for the sins of the whole world. But we have to go through the purification process in order to have our sins remitted. It includes, in the case of fit subjects, water baptism. Not that it is some meritorious work, but... After faith and confessing Christ and repentance of sins, it behooves us to do what God says about being buried with him in baptism. Romans 6 and verse 4. The eunuch was told, Acts 22, well it was uh, Saul of Tarsus who was told in Acts 22, 16, And now why tarriest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins calling on the name of the Lord? Yes, even a... A Jew of the highest honor and scholarship, Saul of Tarsus, who had been schooled so wonderfully well in the Old Testament law, who was very, very diligent to extinguish any religions and those following those religions that he thought were improper, to include mistakenly those who were early New Testament Christians, as we know. Acts 23, 1 said he, he said he lived in all good conscience of that day. He really thought he was right in taking care of uh, hurting those who were naming the name of Christ until he was convinced that Jesus was and is Christ, the Messiah. And then he knew he'd made a terrible mistake and he was willing to submit as Ananias came and preached, no doubt, he was happy on that day and went forth on the right team for the rest of his life. We need to know ourselves and be honest with ourselves in maintaining our purity. This is a self-examination. It's one of the hardest things to do. We overlook or we have blind spots, and I encourage us all to, to find a friend or two, a brother or sister in Christ, as the case may be, and say, I need some help. I like some feedback on some things because we don't always, we're not always perceived nor do we have the effect that we are trying to as we walk about and interact with one another. I admittedly have quirks that uh, possibly some of you in this audience don't even have. 
that may be understood. You may get me or you may not get me with regard to that. It can be a barrier. And so we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And the stakes are too high. And we don't want to do or say things that will impede our relationship to each other or shut us down where we can't help each other encourage each other toward faithfulness. We need to be a people that are trying to, and I believe we are at this local fellowship, help one another unto love and to good works and in the purification process as well. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, Examine yourself. So we still have to do the self-examination. We can't say, well, I asked Brother so-and-so to help me and be my buddy in this, and so it's on him now. No. <clears throat> no. We can ask, and we can get some help. We can get that feedback, and we hope that it will be honest and constructive and, and done in a loving manner, and it can benefit us. Though it might be painful to hear some of the things that we hear, it might be the medicine that we need to be more effective and to be better as Christians. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. But we're going to have to put it up against the audit of God's Word, particularly the New Covenant. But oh, what a benefit the rest of uh, God's holy revealed Word is to us. As we're finding out in, in uh, Old Testament studies like Ecclesiastes as we go through that book on Wednesday night, a faithless, uh, selfless plug for anyone who is not coming. Please come. You'll benefit from it and can help us by being together as we go through the text in that wonderful 12-chapter book. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. So we want to keep that out. Now some people say, well, here's the answer. Just keep yourself real busy. And they keep the book closed. And they start making up and devising ways to come up with a self-made solution. Others might say, oh, keep yourself happy. Now God doesn't want me to be unhappy, so we'll just take the happy and put it in there. And as long as... No. No, we don't want to please ourselves. We need to learn to please God, and that's the true happiness. Uh, it's very self-indulgent and selfish to think that our desires of happiness, the devil loves that trick. That's another sales job he does on many of us. A few say, well, work out physically. Keep yourself exercising. Now, all these things have some merit, <laughs> Absolutely. Keep yourself happy by doing what God says do. Keep yourself busy in the Word of God and doing those things like visiting your brethren, encouraging them, and engaging in spiritual activity, and so on and so forth. How do we keep ourselves pure, though? After we go through this purification process and we've named the name of Christ and we are have all our past sins removed, and we're considered a babe in Christ, even though we're an adult, in thinking and in some level of maturity, depending on when we obey the gospel. Well, not because it's in the songbook, because it's biblically based. If you will, turn to 150. 
I'm not going to sing, but we're going to read, or I'm going to read, and, and hopefully make the point. Jesus said, Sermon on the Mount, we're getting some really good lessons. Brother Reagan is doing a fine job. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the, here it is, pure in heart, for they shall see God. We need to realize that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So what does that do? We've got to have the heart purified and keep it purified in order for good things to come about. And this song is based on that concept. Pure in heart of God, help me to be. May I devote my life wholly, fully, completely to thee. Watch thou my wayward feet, guide me with counsel sweet, pure in heart. Help me to be. Pure in heart, O oh God, help me to be. Teach me to do thy will most lovingly. Be thou my friend and guide. Let me with thee abide. Pure in heart, help me to be. Pure in heart, O oh God, help me to be that I, thy holy face, one day may see. Keep me from secret sin. Reign thou my soul within. Pure in heart, help me to be. It's a beautiful song. We need to mean every word in it when we sing it. And we, doing so, can start with the concept of, okay, we've been purified, and I need to start as I think in my heart, pure thoughts, and try to continually resist and flee, as Joseph did from Potiphar's wife, literally, physically, running from her, and removing himself from a tempting situation, even though she was persistent with him, as the devil tries to enter through the window of our mind and his angels and all the temptations that can be thrown at us, we need to say, I'm going to stand with God. I'm going to stand with faithful brethren. I need to get that out. And don't just think that emptying that out is going to do it because if we leave a void in there, it's not filled up. Well, I got the bad out. I stopped thinking about that wrong thought when someone scantily clad, you know, ran by. We need to put some kind of good thought in there and start thinking about things that are pure in order to not have other room for impure thoughts to come. Happy are the pure-hearted. 2 Timothy 2.22 in our lesson today in class, flee also, also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We need to do things with a pure heart. Not to be seen of men, not for bad motives, not with evil intent, not for all the wrong reasons but for the good. 1 Timothy 1.5 Now the end of the commandment is charity or love out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. American Standard says love out of a pure heart, the New American Standard, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, the Revised Standard Version, whereas the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and good conscience and sincere faith. 
New King James, now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. We need to love one another with a pure heart fervently, 1 Peter 1, 22. We need to make sure we have pure thoughts. We need to have pure words as we get close to the end of our lesson. We need to be pure in speech. Speak like our Lord. Psalm 12, 6. Psalm 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of the earth purified seven times. Acceptable words. Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. There are many, many, many sins that we can engage in that involve sinning with the tongue. Slander doesn't have to be that which is false. Lying about someone is bad enough. But slander is actually taking a truth Part of the definition of slander. It can involve uh, telling a fib on, in part. But using that in a negative way to still try to injure that person. And people have won major lawsuits of money. Uh, ask me later and I'll try to look up the one about Coach Bryan and Georgia Tech, I think, and the Atlanta Constitution. But be that as it may, slander and libel can happen with the tongue and we don't need to let our tongue rattle. Well, you know, I'm not sure if it happened, but Sister So-and-So said she told me not to tell anybody. Now, Mark, you just got on the sisters. Hey, brother, I don't know if this is true or not, but Brother So-and-So told me this, but he told me not to tell anybody, and then all of a sudden everybody in the local congregation knows about it. We don't even know if it's true. We're guilty of spreading true or false and we were told not to tell and hid that right out of the bat. And can you see the multiple sins involved in that? We don't need that. The devil loves it now. It can be like a fire that's put on a foxtail and running through some cornfields or something and all of a sudden you've got some crop that's gone because of the fire. That fox, if it has a fire in its tail, it's going to run. And if it's in a dry area, like husks of, of corn or something in a field, it can certainly cause a big wildfire that can do a lot of damage. We need to be careful with our speech because so much damage can be done in sins of the tongue. It's hard, as James, we put bits in horses' mouth and and we have all of these illustrations that are given by James in the New Testament. And the tongues of fire, a world of iniquity, we need to be careful, myself included, about it. But the psalmist said in Psalm 39, 1, Psalm of David, I said I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. So we avoid bearing. We are accountable for our idle words, according to Matthew 12, verse 36. 
Jesus said, But I say of you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. We need to, as Titus 2, verse 8 says, Sound speech, have that kind of speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. That's very difficult for us to do. And we need to be careful, and we need to make correction when we are guilty of sinning with our tongues. 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified. God can be glorified when we use our tongues properly, but when we as Christians have the wrong kind of speech, then we're not pure anymore. The world can see that, and they can see the discrepancy. No, we're not perfect. We make mistakes, but we can correct those and try to learn better. In one way, speech are, are deeds, okay? But there are other things besides speech now that are also impure. So this last category is that we need to engage in that which is pure in the things that we do. Jesus' example is the best of all. Acts 10 and verse 38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. That's what we need to be about for all the right reasons apart. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. 1 Timothy 6, 18. We can, or can it be said of us? Are we rich in good deeds? That phrase is used here in 1 Timothy 6, 18. That they do good, that they be rich in good works. That means they abound. They are frequent. They are often ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. That they, what's the purpose in all this? That they may lay hold on eternal life. First Peter 3.11 Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. To maintain purity, we must avoid sin. God gives us contingency legislation, right? Uh, Clay knows that I uh, like to use that term a little bit. And contingency legislation is, is that he tells us what he wants. Then he knows that we're human, and therefore he gives us the what if you do wrong against what I just said, he gives us the, the solution for that too. That's part of the wisdom of God. But find this in 1 John 2.1. 1 John 2.1. My little children, these things I write to you that you sin not. Well, how's that going for you? Well, we're to keep that as our mantra. We're to, that's from God, okay? But he knows we're going to make mistakes from time to time, doesn't he? And the very next sentence says, And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So, does that give us light? May we sin, you know, may, may sin abound so that we let grace abound. The more I sin, then the more God can show me grace and, 
and more, I can use the blood of Jesus Christ more? No, that's not the point. The point is, is that we have it with love. God doesn't quit loving. He certainly gets mad. I believe he even gets hurt when we, his children, do wrong. Always striving, if we sin, to be quick to correct it and pick ourselves up and go forward. This is one thing I admire about Peter. Peter was very swift to get himself in trouble with his tongue. Lord, I'm not going to ever do that. And then the rooster crows. Well, he's sad. Very sad. Repentant. But he didn't quit. Yeah, made correction, and he went forward. We need to always strive, as you tried to outline today, get your songbooks, please. Pure in heart, pure in thought, pure in our speech, and pure in our actions. I hope the lesson's been a benefit to you. If there's anything that we can do for you today, in a spiritual way. You just come while we stand and sing or call at a different time. We'll do anything and everything we can according to the Word of God as we understand it to be to help. And if we can't help, we try to find somebody that can. The Gospel's for all. Let us continue to do what we can to be the best individuals and congregation that we can be. Any be subject, we bid you come while together we stand and sing the song that's been selected.